You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live from the Athletic Club in Oakland. It is our final fans watch party of 2022 as the Athletics are going to be finishing their season on the road, T-Mobile Park in Seattle. The last three games on the road, then, of course, we'll be back home to finish the season in Oakland against the Angels. We've got a ton of stuff going on in Major League Baseball right now. And we've got a lot going for you today. Warming up in the bullpen, we have Jessica Kleinschmidt is right over here to my right. The voice of the Coliseum, Amelia Schimmel, is going to be here. They're going to be here in moments. A little bit later on today, our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. Some fascinating things. We've taped it already. Uh, going on, Eno Saris will be here. And then, of course, it's Friday. It's the last Mark Kotze show on the road from his office in Seattle. So that's what we have going for you. And, of course, drink specials, prizes. We're going to be playing bingo. Last Dive Bar is here. They've got everything from beer steins. They've got memorabilia. We've got shirts. We've got, we've got so many things going on. So this is a party. It's an A's party for you guys. Come see us here in Oakland, Athletic Club Oakland, and we're going to be here throughout the entire game. Bingo is going to start about uh, 5 o'clock. We're going to have drink specials. Who doesn't? Ray, who doesn't like drink specials? I can't think of a single person who doesn't. Are you ready to partake in drink specials? Maybe not on the air, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, I think it's a Friday. You may need to loosen up. You've been a little stressed lately filling in for Cody. I think tonight might be a night you need to just relax a little bit. You know what? I think you're on to something there, Townie. We'll see. All right. So, everybody, come out and see us here at the Athletic Club in Oakland. You're going to love it. I wish we could actually take our camera and show you the last dive bar setup. It actually is phenomenal. So it's not only gift packages that they have, but it's individual prizes that they'll be doing, of course, here with the A's. We've brought a bunch of stuff here. So it's it's drinks, specials, food specials, and free stuff to give away. Who doesn't love all of that? Well, let me tell you something. We've got a lot going on in baseball today. I mean a lot. You start looking down the line here. Mets, Braves, going to start here in moments from Atlanta. 
weather permitting. I haven't really checked the old Doppler to see how the weather is. Obviously, we know about Hurricane Ian and the devastation. Our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody there in the southeast all the way through Florida as it's making its way up through Georgia in South Carolina. So, obviously, that's first and foremost what we care about. And we, you know, once again, thoughts and prayers. But there is that big series going on. It's the biggest series in baseball. We will get to that. But you're looking at Mets and Braves, huge. You got Aaron Judge who now Aaron Judge moves on to take on the Baltimore Orioles back at home in the Bronx. They can celebrate 61 home runs, tying the American League record and tying Roger Maris. Amazing. And now he goes for 62. A lot of controversy there. We'll get into that in a little bit. Not really controversy. It's just you kind of stand on one side or the other. And not going to tell anybody that they're wrong. I know Jessica Kleinschmidt and I will talk about this in the A's Total Access show, our pregame show. You know, there's certain people believe one thing, certain people see it another. And really, I've said it now multiple times. It's the sad thing about baseball that we're at this point, that we didn't do anything about it. And we've just allowed it just to keep going. And some people are cool with that. But then now it rears its ugly head every single year with guys getting into the Hall of Fame and not getting into the Hall of Fame. It's all the stuff your sport doesn't want to deal with. It's all the stuff your sport your, your sport really um, doesn't want to have around them. It's like this, it's this black cloud that really started late 90s into the 2000s that you thought at some point, ah, it will go away. But that black cloud has just been raining, and it just keeps following the game. And it has never gone away. And we're now at a moment we should be celebrating huge. Some are. Some are like, eh, what's the big deal? Like we had on Sam Blum from yesterday from The Athletic who covers the Angels who was like, I don't even know why we're breaking away for his at-bats. I mean, you've got people who work in our industry. Our industry's cold, boy. Let me tell you something. Our industry is cold-blooded. Like, I don't care, things happen, our record books, don't do anything. Anybody else who thinks this stuff should be changed, if you have a different thought. Baseball is the type of sport, if you have a different thought than certain people, you're an idiot. Now we've been dealing with that for a long time. But Aaron Judge going for number 62 in the Bronx. Uh, you got... Sandy Alcantara going up against the Brewers as his historic season for where we are in starting pitching continues. He's taking on the the um, the Brewers. How about the Rays? The Rays can clinch their fourth consecutive playoff berth with a win or an Orioles loss. But just like Philly, who finally – Philly got a win today. We'll get into Philly too. As I've been talking about these teams that are collapsing down the stretch – Philly was, they were up. It was late in the game. Next thing you know, here come those Nats. The Nats are like that cockroach right now. They're loving playing spoiler. And they end up surviving and getting the win 5-1. to one. I don't know. I guess the weather's getting really bad. I don't know if we're going to see the second game of the doubleheader. But for the Rays, what a great accomplishment going to the playoffs for the fourth straight year. And the Dodgers. Dodgers win again. They come back and beat the Padres last night. What do they got now? They got the Colorado Rockies. You want to talk about another joke. Uh, and the Dodgers, the history that, they, that they're making right now, and Eno Saris will get into it. This is just not, hey, we got some good scouting. This is just not, we're looking at a scenario. They've spent a lot of money. 
they have become, the Los Angeles Dodgers have become the model of how you run a major league franchise. They're the type of franchise that other sports are going to be, kind of like the Golden State Warriors right now. You're going to be looking how they operate, how they do their business, because a lot is being based on, wait for it, science. A lot of what the think of the Dodgers as NASA, okay? And you got this rocket. We want to send a rocket to space. So what we're going to do is we're going to go hire some really smart people, and we're going to allow you to only work on certain parts of the rocket. Now, we all have one goal is to get the rocket to space, but you're going to work on the thrusters. You're going to work on the computers. You're going to what you, you get what I'm saying. They don't allow everybody to work on everything because they want to protect their intellectual property. So there's only a few people that get to know everything the Dodgers are doing. Well, they got a bunch of smart people working on the process. And is it working? My God, is it working? They're destroying people. We're now talking about, we were, we were, oh, they got 107 wins. Now we're talking about 110 wins. What if they win out? I mean, they got the Rockies. I don't even know who they're finishing with, but they, they smoked the Rockies for three days. Now you're over 110. Are we now looking at getting to 114 wins on a season in baseball today? And talk about the last team to do something like this. We got to go back to the Seattle Mariners in 2001. By the way, if you want to feel old, last time the Seattle Mariners were in the postseason, if you were born in early 2001, you could now come here and legally order a drink at the athletic club in Oakland. That's how long ago it was that the Mariners were in the postseason. The babies that were conceived, born during that time are now 21 years old. It was the year I got married. It's a long, long time ago. Something that we're going to be dealing with tonight. And that's what's fun, you know, hopefully for the athletics. If you're looking at something, I mean, you're, obviously you're playing for yourself, you're playing for your stats, you're playing for a potential job, get all that. Why not play spoiler? Because the magic number right now is one for the Mariners. Now, all they have to do is win. So the Mariners can clinch a postseason spot for the first time since 2001 with a victory, obviously, or a loss by the Orioles. So if the Orioles could step up and win in New York and the A's could step up and win in Seattle... Maybe just maybe they're not popping champagne in Seattle. Maybe just maybe that doesn't happen. Play spoiler. Have fun with that. Deny kind of your rival, right? They're in the division. Deny them that opportunity on your watch. I got to be honest with you as a bet man. I think there's no chance in three days that's not going to happen. First of all, the Orioles will lose a game in New York. I think to me right now, the Yankees, you're going to see the Yankees just be like, (sighs) <sighs> he tied Maris. Let's just go play now. And they've been playing. By the way, the Yankees have been playing great baseball anyway. I mean, they've been rolling off. The Yankees, uh, just looking at what they have been doing, the Yankees had won seven. They've won 17 to 22. But they've, they've dealt so much with this Aaron Judge thing and getting him to 61, tying Maris, tying the, the American League record. 
Now they just know, and they've got their, their last, I think their last threes in Texas. So you want to talk about no pressure going down to Arlington where they're a dog with fleas. So Judge is going to get 62. And what we have seen, we saw it with Bonds, and you saw it a little bit with McGuire, is once you get past that number, well, actually, we really saw it with McGuire once, and Sosa. Once you get past the number, because you're like, you, you get close to that number and you have all the media and you have everybody and it's just and it's just like the pressure and they're breaking away to the at-bats and everybody's asking you about that. And then you struggle a little bit and you don't hit the home runs and they ask you more and more and more. Well, finally you get to it and you tie it. And it's like, oh, I've climbed the mountain. And then now everything's kind of gold. Because you can't really say Bonds because Bonds didn't get to McGuire till the very end. And then on that Friday night against the Dodgers, hit two, 71-72, took Saturday off and hit 73 on that Sunday. But now that I think about it, McGuire, once McGuire passed 61, it was the weight was off, and now it's like I just got to beat Sosa, Sosa, and he got all the way to 70. So I'm expecting the Yankees to cruise here in these next few games, and I expect, I don't know, four or five home runs, something like that from Aaron Judge, not that the pressure's off and he can just go up there, clear mind, and just hack away. The amount of home runs, by the way, is pretty interesting. When we start thinking about where we are in baseball and home runs, and this really ties in for me to the Oakland Athletics. Because we're going to talk to Mark Kotze about Connor Capel. We're going to talk to Mark Kotze about Jordan Diaz. And then once we get done at the end of the year, I'm going to want to talk to Kotze again. Obviously, we'll do a year-end show, Mark Kotze show, and a year-end with our guy David Force, the general manager, and say, what's the game plan for the offseason? What do you want? Because you've been built on home runs. That's how the A's, that's been the game plan, right? Hit home runs. You hit home runs, you're going to have an opportunity. Well, the A's aren't hitting home runs. That's just a reality. That's not who we are. Now, the thing for me is what's the new game plan going to be if you're not going to hit home runs? And, oh, by the way, home runs aren't happening anyway. You start to look at the home run totals for this year. The New York Yankees, just to give you an example, the New York Yankees lead baseball in home runs with 243. They've got a guy who's hit 61 home runs, and they only have 243. And you say, what? What do you mean only 243? That seems like a lot. Folks, let me tell you something. I talked about this last night, and I want to talk about it again today. Just three years ago, 2019, Balls juiced, no humidors. Balls flying out like a bouncy ball. Remember those bouncy balls we throw around and they bounce everywhere when you're a kid? That's exactly what baseball was in 2019. The Minnesota Twins, the Bomba Squad. I remember Commander Cody was so enthralled, right? These kids who want to tell me how big strikeouts and home runs are. We basically had our equipment that we use in baseball manipulated so much that it skewed records. Skewed it. The Minnesota Twins in 2019 hit 307. The New York Yankees that year year hit 306. Ray, do you hear what I'm saying? I do. 
307 and 306 home runs just three years ago. The New York Yankees have a guy right now that has 61. But we've put balls in the humidors, and we've made sure that we're playing with a regular ball, not a bouncy ball, and the leader right now is just 243. They have a guy who's hit 61 home runs, and yet as a team they've only hit 243. That's a little fishy. Three years ago they hit 306. That's a lot more. And they didn't have a guy hit 61 and didn't even sniff 61. True. So I look at the A's. Let's look at the A's, how how the ball club's been built. In 2018, your Oakland Athletics were third in baseball. We hit the third most home runs in baseball in 2018 with 227. Think about that. Then in 2019, we're playing with the Super Bowl. By the way, the A's up the ante, finished fifth in baseball with 257. So in 2018, 2019, the A's were a top five team in home runs hit. And David Forrest said on this show, ball goes far, team goes far. That was the strategy. Get on base, hit home runs. Walk, get on base. As Brad Pitt asked in Moneyball, do you care how you get on base? No, you don't. All right, well, that strategy worked, but that strategy now is dead because the A's don't hit home runs. Let me see where we are. The A's are now tied for 26 with 131, so we're hitting well over 100 less home runs, and you got to figure out another strategy. I mean, how, how are we going to compete? How are we going to score? And that's something we'll talk to Mark Kotze about because you may have some of the answers on the team right now. Guys that make contact, guys that can hit, guys that are not all-or-nothing players. And when I look at Connor Capel, really early, small sample size, as people like to say, but you can look at Capel, you can look at Jordan Diaz. Are these the type of players? I mean, do we have to make just a dramatic shift as an organization Once again, you'd like to follow the Dodgers because the Dodgers have all these scientists working for them now. They've got all these angles they're working on and your bat path and the ball path and all these kind of things that I don't really even know about. I know it's working. There's no question about that. It definitely works. So, you know, where this game is going and how you're going to compete, is it more like the Cleveland Indians? How have the Cleveland Indians won this year? And by the way, the Cleveland, the, excuse me, the Indian, the Cleveland Guardians, the Guardians are cruising right now. They're hot in September. They're one of the teams that's not falling flat on their face trying to get across the line and get into the playoffs. They're steamrolling into the playoffs. What do they do? They pitch, they play defense, they make a lot of contact. They hit some home runs, but they make a lot of contact. Where are they in home runs? Oh, by the way, they're 29th in home runs. This is going to be a fascinating postseason. I cannot wait. All these people built on home runs and power and how they're going to do. I mean, what if Cleveland? What if Cleveland makes a little run? And they're not about power at all. They're 29th in home runs. I mean, they've got some guys that can hit bombs. they got Jose Ramirez. But the A's have hit more home runs than the Cleveland Indians. What does that tell you? By the way, uh, you want to get Amelia and you want to get uh, Jess Roll in here? Uh, yeah, you look at some of the big boys. 
obviously you got the Yankees with the most home runs. Braves are up there. Astros are up there. Dodgers are up there. Phillies are up there. I mean, Phillies are up there, and they're just collapsing as we speak. Cardinals are up there. But to watch down the stretch and then to watch in the postseason, what if Cleveland goes on a run, takes down these teams that have all these home runs? I cannot wait. I have not looked at the scoreboard. Jessica Kleinschmidt is supposed to be uh, following this for us. Uh, Let me look at my phone here and get an update on the score. As this is also huge for me, as much as everybody likes to tell me that Jacob deGrom is the best pitcher in baseball, all the time they've saved deGrom and worried about deGrom, no, they haven't teed off yet. What time is their game? It's 4.20. They haven't started playing yet. I wonder if they're having some uh, rain issues. Oh, they're about to get going. But to me, this is a huge. They're setting up DeGrom. They're setting him up. They're setting him up for today. They're setting him up for the last game of the season. They're hoping that's not going to matter if you're a Mets fan. Then they're setting him up for game one. So all this time, they protected him and saved him. We're going to see his last few starts, he has not pitched well, especially as you saw against the Athletics. Well, you guys got to actually come into the – picture for them to see you oh oh, Amelia Schimmel by the way she needs does anybody have any pom-poms or do we have confetti to come down that she's here I didn't need any big fanfare I just didn't want to cramp your style the the she's the voice of the Coliseum she's a big deal I would like six cats to precede me just kind of like you know mush dog style do you need the rose petals to be thrown out in front of you (laughs) the queen is here absolutely not Jessica Kleinschmidt who you see on this show all the time how are you follow-up of an intro the queen's here, and then so is Jess. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna hear Jessica later anyway on Total Access. We're both it doesn't matter court anyway. Jesters, honestly. Like seriously, the, the amount of we won't call it ego, we'll call it divaness in your guys' apartment must be out of control. Not really. No, you know we're both very low maintenance. Yeah. You know, we're both like baseball women. We just kind of you know go with the flow. I, I like to think it's just you put the bravado on once you enter the Coliseum. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, it's loud. I will tell you that you, our our house is loud. So you guys leave the bravado at home. You leave it at the Coliseum when you go home. Is what you're saying? Sometimes it depends know. on the game. If it's a long day, like we're still pretty loud. We're yeah. just more laid back about it. Yeah. How much fun have you guys had with the segment? Oh, it's been fun. So much fun. Yeah. Um, especially after a win. But yeah, it's a lot of fun either way. You know. Win yeah. or lose, we booze kind of thing. Yeah, so, so post-game stuff's better when you win, huh? <laughs> you don't say, huh? <laughs> really? I didn't you know that. You don't say. No, it's a good time. I mean, we like we kind of talk about all things baseball, not baseball, what happened to us yeah. that day, behind the scenes. And people are really dig- eating up the behind-the-scenes stuff, so I've been really enjoying that. Yeah. yeah. We well, get to interact directly with people, too. So we'll see them at the Coliseum, and we'll talk to them about the show, and then we'll talk about you know, our interactions later on the show, if we saw them at the treehouse or just around the Coliseum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it goes to show that the average person doesn't want to hear the chalk baseball stuff. Yeah. Like, after the game, they don't care. What they what they like, and we've had a bazillion consultants tell us this over the year, they like the people. Yeah. They tune in because they like you as much as they like baseball and they want to hear about another loss. They actually like you guys. They're turning in to hear what you guys have to say about the game, and then you throw in your live stuff, and it's a win-win. It's been a huge hit. 
Well, you think about we don't need to beat into the ground the team lost, for instance. So no. it's kind of like we know what happened, we know what didn't happen, we know what the team needed to work on, what they continue need to need to work on, and we kind of get to slide in there and say, but there was some cool stuff that happened leading into the game or during the game this happened, and despite the loss, there's some cool stuff to take away just from the like behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. yeah, and Jess has been doing this for a long time. This is kind of the first foray into podcast world and radio world for me, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But what people don't know about you is they now know you. I mean, you were behind the scenes when you came to work for the athletics. Yeah. Now you're front and center being the voice of the Coliseum. But what people don't know is your extensive background at Major League Baseball and the MLB Network as super producer extraordinaire. <laughs> Trust me, when I it was 2019, hard to believe, right? 2019, we're at the winter meetings in San Diego. And like, That's right. she's like the biggest star of the former MLB Network employees. Everybody loves her. So a lot of people don't know your baseball background. Well, I won't say I was the biggest star of the MLB Network employees, but thank you. I've been working in baseball and hockey my entire life. I graduated school, went straight to MLB Productions, MLB Network, produced behind the scenes for close to a decade there on the East Coast, and was just surrounded in baseball, and that's I wouldn't have it any other way. It was incredible. You get to do breakdowns with, you know, Pedro Martinez, Harold Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like constantly pinching myself, like, wow, do I get to do this? And I said to myself at one point, like, if I can just do this for the rest of my life, I'll be happy. And then it got better getting the A's job as the executive producer, and even better getting the PA job. So I'm still like constantly, wow, how did I get this lucky that I get to work in my favorite sport for my favorite team? One of the greatest lines that I've stolen from you is a guy that I grew up, a huge fan of Al Leiter. And Al Leiter just, just, you know, sometimes people just don't know how to end their sentence or their thought. And it's like, dude, just stop. And you would tell him. Land the plane, Al. Land, Land the, the plane. <laughs> His questions were longer than most players' answers. He would ask, like, four-minute questions. Vaskirshan and I would be there just growing gray hairs and, like, land the plane, Al. Land the plane. But he's wonderful. He's a really, really nice person. And, of course, like, he had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. But, like, sometimes there were seven questions in one, and you never really knew. Like, he would finish his question. The player would just stare at him blankly. Like, what, what just happened? Well, and, and we're always, and Jessica, we're always in a time crunch, right? Right. We know that our interviews have to be three minutes, six minutes, and you're sitting there going, will you please just wrap up? It's a fun challenge, too. You know me, I can't stop talking, so when, when Townie does this thing, that's you telling me to land the plane. That is true, but yeah. to, to, your, to your defense, though, you don't have a timer in front of you, so you don't know. Correct. You're, you're kind of flying blind. You, yeah. need, you need an air, air traffic controller. Yes, yeah. No, and I, I think that's what's cool is, is being able to cut it off at a certain amount of time, too. I like that challenge and, and as opposed to just running on and continuing in either way. And this has been a big year for you. I mm -hmm. mean, what you, mean, you told me what one of four women to do play-by-play -play in the minor leagues. In AAA, and, yeah. Yeah, this has been big. Yeah, and it was kind of cool to kind of go out of my comfort zone. I've always been really interested in content and stuff like that, but I know broadcast could always use something extra and a different view, and I feel the one thing that the A's broadcast has been lacking is somebody that's right there with them constantly 24-7 that's in the clubhouses and in the dugouts and talking to them. And I was excited to kind of pick their brains and figure them out because at the end of the day, we know what the win-loss record is and what it doesn't necessarily reflect is the players as individuals and what they're working on specifically and all the opportunities they're giving. And I've been lucky enough to know what a lot of the fans are interested in, what they're not interested in. Um, 
who to highlight, what not to highlight, and all of that kind of stuff, and just work on being patient with my own broadcasts and everything like that. It's been really, really cool. She'll get back and talk about, hey, I just noticed this whole pitch clock phenomenon in the minor leagues and how everybody loves it. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was shocked. She, she was also very anti. She's like, no, I want you as know, much baseball as possible. Oh, she's like Which an is, old man, but you by know what? the way. I am. You're the one but who's talking pitching cool. wins. Like it's, you know, but going out of business. Cool. As, 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 as by the way, all, all the people on the field say the same thing yeah. I do. About pitchers wins or about yeah. the pitch clock? No, pitchers wins. But the pitch clock, the the whole, like, even David Force, our general manager yeah. on the David Force show, came back it. and said, I was in Lansing, I was in Midland. And when he came back, he said, it's hard to watch us after watching that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. were against that? I wasn't against it. I like more baseball is better. But the way you explain it, Jess, is great. It's it's the same amount of baseball. It's just conden- condensed for pace of play. Yeah, we haven't taken outs away. Right. For it's sure. not, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm glad you went into it because I went in the same way. When I, when I first watched my, trip, my first AAA game, mine, mine, mind you, I watched the pitching clock and then I had to commentate on it. And so they liked my reaction of it. Yeah. And I thought it was cool because I was the same thing. I'm like, no, this is so anti-traditionalist and everything like that. And then as time went on, the game was still the same. And you kind of opened your eyes a little bit more. But I was the same way too. And I think everybody's going to go through that. And we've talked about that before. It's going to be interesting at first. But even pitchers, especially in the A's, organization are the perfect guys to talk to because we're constantly you know moving them up moving them down so we had like Jared Koenig who's constantly seeing it talked to Lance Lynn about it who watched it so you have the perfect guys who can be honest with how they feel about it and so far it's been really good and we have all of that to look forward to next year I'm really excited just from a rule book standpoint watching the game and how it changes with the shifts changing with pitch clock potentially with the bases bigger all that stuff but I am not old school I'm not it, it used to be like when I was producing MLB now it was Harold Reynolds versus Brian Kenny and Brian was all oh saber all saber <laughs> friend of the show right have you noticed but he started to I'm change equal a little parts bit both have you noticed Brian's kind of because some of his stuff's I failing so well the I don't know if it's failing, failing. I think he's just too failing. ahead of his time the bullpen's failing. I think bullpen's everyone's regressing to the mean right like I was I'm like a little bit traditionalist in that I at first I was like poo-pooing um Robo umps. And now I'm like, all right, well, I like getting the calls right, you know? And then also, I, you know, I really like some of the new school stuff, like, you know, on base, OPS, all that stuff instead of pitchers win loss, whatever, and the older stats that don't necessarily tell the whole story. So I'm a tweener, I think, because I can go either way, yeah. right? There's cer- certain things I like, I don't like certain things, because, like, like, I can always go, because right now we're, we're kind of finding some things right now. Because really with baseball media, it's interesting because, like, just think about, think about, I went through DeGrom's last, last, last Cy Young Award, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't throw one complete game. Only went eight innings one time. Mm-hmm. Only stat that he led in, only one was strikeouts. But we were in a period then when kind of the analytics were bullying everybody. So Because you can go to other guys' years that gave you more innings, gave you more starts, gave you more things. But it's like, What's interesting is we have very few national people, and most of the people who cover it are all regional. So you follow your teams, but then now you're voting on the MVP and the yeah. you know we got we're asking all these people who really haven't watched Judge or Otani all year long to just look at Baseball Reference and make votes. Right, right. You can't do that. And really, the only place now that talks baseball is your for, former employer, MLB Network, because ESPN got rid of Baseball Tonight. So right. we have very few national. We have very limited national coverage 
of our sport. And if you're looking at a baseball reference page and you have not watched any A's games, you wouldn't realize just how great Sean Murphy, for example, is. I watch him every day, save runs. He is he's making blocks, he's framing. I mean framing's probably gonna go out at some point. Yeah, that's bye bye. But, you know, he's doing th- he's like the heart of the team and you don't you can't see that unless you actually watch a game. You don't need to just, you know, not go to games, look at the baseball reference stats, and then just vote based on that. So, I don't know. Yeah, at this point, you might as well have Twitter followers just vote for MVP and everything else. I mean, we got really deep into it. pretty much (laughs) are. I got the thing today, vote for the Roberto Clemente Award. I mean, like, you know, it's like, it's interesting how, you know, yeah. That's not stats. Why why do I want somebody in St. Louis voting on Judge and Otani? You know, Mm -hmm. you kind of want the people who watch it and see it. Uh, it's been a fascinating run because we saw Otani again last night. We saw Judge hit 61. I mean, this is going to be – I don't know. A lot of people think, ah, Judge is just going to blow it out. I don't know. I mean, it's going to – don't you guys think that it's could, – it could be real close too. Yeah. Fascinating close. I mean I, – I, I like the way that Aaron Judge approaches his defensive game as well, and I don't think we've seen that much highlighted from Shohei. But at the same time, nobody else is doing what Shohei does, and if that's what they're going to bank it on – then he should win it every single time. But a triple crown, like, we'd see that one in a trillion years. I know we see that one in a trillion years with the Otanis of the world, but I'm very much Aaron Judge at this point. Ooh. We were talking about Shohei this morning, by the so way. So we got a judge. I am a really big fan of what Judge is doing. I mean, it feels like the Sosa Maguire year. It feels like everybody's all eyes are on every at-bat, and I love that. And you know what? Walk him if you want to. That's part of the game, too. I know everybody's, you know, wants the rubber chickens and all that stuff for, for walking him, but, like, that's part of the game. That's part of the strategy. So if they do pitch to him, I want it to be a real pitch yeah. and him to actually hit a real homer, and that's what he's doing. And it's it's awesome to watch. But with Shohei, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades type where it's like he's not the best hitter, he's not the best pitcher, but he's really, really, really good at both. So he's a great player to have on your team. But, like, I think offensively you'd choose Mike Trout over him, right? Well, it's, it's funny. We had the athletic writer on yesterday from uh, the Angels writer from the athletic yesterday. And I said, listen, I'm going to poke holes in this Shohei Otani thing. And I know I'm going to look like a jackass doing it, right? Because if you say anything against the guy, you look like yeah, no, a jerk. Awesome. And he goes, yeah. And, and Eno Saris are gonna, and I are going to do it in a little bit. It's like, once again, I like to think out of the box a little bit. And I'm looking at going, okay, here you have this guy that, A, we know DH only has so much value because you only play so much. And there's hundreds of innings he's not participating in because he's sitting on the bench chewing sunflower seeds and drinking Gatorade. That yeah. DH is hardly participate. Then as a starting pitcher, I have to have a six-man rotation. So I've got to have five other guys to accommodate him. Yeah. And, and there really is not that many teams where his value would be great, like – he wouldn't be that valuable on the A's because mm. we don't have That's five other guys. We don't have enough guys to – he literally needs to be on a super team yeah. to yeah. utilize all of his talents because his volume is And lacking. yet he's on the Angels. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, exactly. And that's the other thing about the – because a lot of people would say, well, he can't be on a small market team that didn't spend money. Uh, they're not small market, and they spend a lot of money. So yeah. to, to have him in the right situation – and my whole thing, too, is remember remember on Christmas morning you got that gift and it was the greatest gift you ever had? Hanukkah, but yeah. Still, yeah. Still, Hanukkah. Waiting. <laughs> still waiting, but Okay, yes. so the very next year, you still love that gift, right? Yeah. But now you got a new one for Hanukkah. Uh. So my thing is, Otani, I've seen it. Art. Stop telling me I've never seen it before. I've seen it. Yeah. It's great, but I've seen it, and we're going to see it for years. So I, I, 
I don't have a vote. I probably would go judge. I think what judge is yeah. doing, the pressures, you yeah. know, in New York being around that is, is immense. And I would go judge too, but yeah. it's cool. like they're both doing great things for the game. I, I remember just when I was little watching Barry Bonds, I would literally stop what I was doing knowing he was about to go up to the plate. Shohei doesn't do that for me. Aaron Judge does. Great points. Great points. Sports I, Center will go into it. You know, it's just something that is big for the game. And last thing. I checked. We're in the entertainment business, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. what we're supposing to be doing? Promoting mm-hmm. the game, selling <laughs> tickets? Like, we're supposed to promote. It's supposed to be entertaining. Yeah. yeah. All right. For you, so last one each. Okay. For you, it's now been a couple of years. What's the main thing you've learned and grown with being the uh, public address announcer? You know, it's interesting. I, having worked in sports before becoming the PA announcer, there was a time when I, I didn't go straight from being an A's fan just to going to be a, a PA announcer. It was, it was a long, gradual process of my career in baseball, and I had to put aside the fandom a little bit at MLB Network. But now I can bring it back as a PA announcer because I am actually feeling like the energy of the crowd and getting to announce in the really, really big moments. Like, base is loaded. A guy's coming to the plate. He's going to get a bigger intro. So I've learned that I can kind of save up for those moments. Don't go, like, 100 miles per hour in a 60 zone earlier in the game, like in the third inning when it, you know, the situation is different. And just kind of pace yourself. Don't blow out your voice at the beginning (laughs) of a 10-game homestand. You know, don't call bingo too loudly, which is what we're about to do. Like got to cut like down <laughs> on the alcohol because it's not good for your okay, voice. Let's not push <laughs> it. It's pace yourself. It's don't run. You don't get to retract anything. So you have to wait until the exact right opportunity to say something. And so when you're saying it on radio, you can correct yourself pretty quickly. But when you're announcing it to a stadium, you have to just compose yourself and then, you know, let it go. And I, I've gotten a lot more comfortable, and it's, it's just fantastic that the fans have given so much support because that helps me too. If you have a long week in Vegas, I have some remedies for you that will help you for your voice. <laughs> we'll talk about that after. And that's, for that's you, great. it's been a, a big year for you from a standpoint, women in baseball, highlighting not only yourself but other women in baseball. Uh, just talk about what that's meant to you in your career. I feel like I'm – at the point where I'm not being told I'm good for a girl, which is really nice. You can just be good. And I feel like any woman listening here hates that, you know, to hear that. And kind of mirroring what she said, I think it's a lot about just, like, slowing yourself down and reminding that we're we're supposed to be here and all of that. And I really just trying to fine-tune my craft and then add to that craft. You know, not too long ago I was just a blogger for a various amount of sites and then went to NBC and then now I'm – one of the only women to cover on a broadcast in AAA. It's like a dream of mine. So I think for me, it's about fine-tuning all of those things, adding to the my own pitching repertoire, and just remembering that we're all supposed to be here. It's all okay. And it's a different type of respect for the game as well. I feel like I'm kind of past the honeymoon stage, but we love each other. We're in this for the long haul, and it's just like a different love for and appreciation for the game and the, play, the people involved in it. Bingo starts at – we're here soon. at the Athletic Club in Oakland. Bingo starts. Pretty soon. I don't even – I don't know what time it is right now, but I think we're going to get started right after this interview. 4.38 right, right now. So if you're watching, come Next down. Next 15, 20 minutes. Prizes, drink specials, we have it all. You guys were fabulous. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. You. Coming up next, it's the Eno Sarah Show right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy – celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know what we forgot to do? We forgot to get into Carlos Correa with Jessica Kleinschmidt. We'll have to do that coming up here in A's Total Access. As that, uh uh-oh, we're getting an echo. See, watch this. I'm not talking, but it's still playing here. Because we have it on the speakers. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little radio trick. So we're, we're being delayed. All right, earlier today we were able to catch up with our buddy Eno Saris. Do we have the sponsor? We sure do. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno Saris is our national baseball columnist from The Athletic. He joins us every single week here on A's Cast Live. We hope you enjoy. Eno, it's great to see you. Too bad uh, you couldn't join us at the Athletic Club today. Hope all is well. What is shaking, my friend? Uh, it's good. It's, you know, we're getting down to the last weekend. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't mean a lot for the A's, but uh, they're, the Mets and Braves are going to have a pretty uh, crazy uh, weekend series that, uh, you know, there's a lot on the line for a team that uh, the difference between the wild card and uh, sitting on your butt for uh, three days while the other teams duke it out is a big deal. So uh, the Mets really want to take at least one or two of these games because they have the they have the uh, there's not going to be a game 163 this year. So they have the 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 tiebreaker. So if they come out of it tied, they, they should feel all right. Do we know weather wise how they're going to be for that for that series? There's some thought that it won't be as bad in Atlanta as it is. I mean, if you're seeing the videos uh, from Florida, uh, it looks pretty, pretty, pretty bad down there. But uh, they thought maybe Atlanta would be spared. So last night, I I was just going through the post game show and I was looking at home runs because we were talking about, you know, how are the A's going to turn this thing around. That's what we're going to be looking at, and. You know, the last few years, they've been built on the home run. 
They've been a, if you look at 2018, 2019, both playoff years, they were top fives and top five team in home runs. And then I started looking at going, oh my God, if you look at 2019, where we had the record for most home runs hit uh, for a team with the Twins at 307, and then you had the Yankees right behind them at 306. This year, you have the Yankees that have a has a player that has 61. He's got 61. The Yankees are just at 243. My God, this humidor thing, maybe making the balls different, not as juiced, and this humidor thing, you want to talk about working. Man, what a dramatic difference from 2019 to where we are today. Yeah, it's not the same for every homer. So pulled homers are down about 15%, um, you know, pulled fly ball homers. Uh, opposite field home runs are down 30%. So, you know, if you take just a little bit away from an opposite field home run, it goes away. It's not even a homer. If you, you know, a lot of those pulled home runs are just moonshots, and they'll still be homers if you take some feet away from them. Uh, so that's that's been part of it. And and Judge has made some adjustments to uh, have a little bit more pull uh, homer, uh, pull fly balls than, than oppo fly balls like he's had in the past. And that's part of why he's had such a great season. But yeah, they lead the league again. They hit the most homers all the time. Uh, but this year it's 243 versus 307. That's a big difference. Big Oakland, difference. though, but Oakland has really, they were sixth in the league in 2019, you know, and they had 257 homers that year. This year they have 131 and you can't, it's not just the, it's not the ball or humidor or anything like, because obviously this isn't the same team as they yeah. had back then. Uh, but it does, uh, it does raise the question if, if, for example, the pull fly ball and the opposite field fly ball got affected differently by this situation, different parks might be being affected differently, you know, and it yeah. really does feel like the ball is more dead in Oakland uh, than almost anywhere. And I don't know if it's been unseasonably cold or this isn't, you know, a, 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 a thorough analysis where you'd have to account for, you know, you know, wind and temperature and everything, but it does seem deader than usual. And I, it's hard to sort of separate that from who's on the team this year, but uh, it does make you wonder, you know, what, what had happened over, you know, Moneyball was about OBP, right? And OBP had been maybe undervalued. People had been thinking about slugging and, and batting average. So they found a little, you know, time when OBP was undervalued. What you've actually found since then is that slugging percentage has become a little bit more valuable than on-base percentage. And I think Oakland kind of readjusted to that. And they weren't actually the best teams in OBP over the last few years. Uh, but they have become really good slugging teams. What's their next adjustment, right? There has to be a next adjustment. And if you look at the types of players they're picking up this year, um, I, I'm worried that they're not making that same adjustment because you've got, uh, you know, they've got Dermis Garcia, um, you know, even like Christian Betancourt when he was on the team earlier. Um, you know, you're talking about like guys have been picking up, guys have been trying Sky Bolt, uh, Cody Thomas. A lot of these guys strike out a lot, you know, and it, and lot. I think and I think that that works if you hit the ball hard. Uh, but what if hitting the ball hard is not being rewarded as much? So, you know, I, I'm I, I'm a little bit more excited about, um, you know, two guys named Connor Capel and Jordan Diaz in a way, uh, because those guys make contact 
uh, and maybe could uh, be spray hitters. They might hit 15 to 20 homers, but we have to remember now 15 to 20 homers isn't what Freddie Galvis hits, you know, you know, 15 to 20 homers, Nick Allen in 2019 might've hit 15 to 20 homers. <laughs> so now you have to recalibrate and uh, 15 to 20 homers is the, is the new okay, right? So, you know, if Capel and Diaz do hit and are, and are good players for them, which, you know, I see enough there, and even in the short samples that I think they could be, uh, then it'll be a new kind of team that maybe strikes out less, sprays the ball, and is a little bit different of a team than they've had in the past. Can you imagine Nick Nick Allen with his 22nd home run of the year? <laughs> no, the ball's not juice. No way. But you I mean, know, my big one was Freddie Galvis. I always go back to Freddie Galvis. I'm like, oh, what is Freddie Galvis doing? What, he had like 25 homers that year. Like, what is going on? I'm so glad you brought up Connor Capel because obviously Jordan Diaz is a guy who's mashed from double A, triple A, and he's now hitting at the big league level. And Connor Capel, as we love to say, a small sample size, but just kind of looking at him, he's built for me kind of like the comp that I had was Brian Giles. Mm. Kind of the way he's built and he's stocky. Um, bat, goes, bat is a more level through the zone a lot longer. We've seen him flip the ball to left field along with pull it and hit it out of the ballpark. There's just... it, like Good it's athlete, like, like runs well. Yeah, I, like I don't know what the actual game plan is for David force in the off season. We're, we're going to ask that in our last show of the year, but I'm trying to figure out the way that the A's did it in 18 and 19. David had a saying ball goes far team goes far. I don't see that, you know, the next couple of years, we just don't have those players. So what will, what will be the game plan? How do you generate offense when you're last in batting average, you're second to last in runs scored. You got to score runs. What's the game plan? What do you think is the best way for them to go about it in the short term to be competitive? You know, there was this uh, revolution in analytics where they said, oh, my God, pitchers can't control the line drive, you know, and and hitters line drive rates aren't sticky year to year. So we've been chasing line drives all this time, and they're they're actually kind of amorphous and hard to do anything about right well if you look at the dodgers they are suppressing line drives at a a rate we've never seen before in all of baseball you know they're you know in the in this parlance of stats they're three three standard deviations out like that's that's when you're like whoa what is that's like the dot that's way out there you know um and they're probably doing it with a combination of really good game planning in terms of uh, you know, they're doing things where they're modeling the shape of the swing of the hitter and the shape of the pitch coming in from their pitchers and and then modeling where those balls spray and, and, and having like ex- excellent defensive positioning based on the physics of the interaction of the pitch. Not just, oh, this guy against right handers, he puts the ball here, you know, no, yeah. like his shape of bat versus this shape of pitch creates this kind of a spray chart. Let's put our guys there. So that's part of it. Uh, they also, the suppressing line drives has to be a combination of how they you know coach their stuff up, that sort of deal. I would suggest that if you want to be out in front right now, you embrace line drives. You embrace line drives on the hitting side and you research the best ways, you know, to find Connor Capels, to find guys that hit, you know, hit line drives uh, and make contact. 
So, you know, you get those level swings rather than those uppercut swings, you know? So you find a lot, you find, you research the physics of creating line drives and you research the physics of suppressing line drives. And you join, I mean, you, 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 you might be a couple of years after the Dodgers, but that's okay. You know, those, those guys have tons of PhDs and uh, tons of, some, tons of money in this, you know, they, they have a $300 million payroll. You're not in the same division. So thank God, you know, but, but on the same level, like that's what the Astros are doing. So I would say if I was David Forrest, I would think about the line drive. Uh, and I would also think about what I can do to improve our player development systems to sort of have this, uh, always on faucet of young players. It seems like the Astros just always have a new young pitcher, you know, that's great that they, they didn't have to trade for. They just, they found the guy. So those are the two things I would do if I were the A's. Now, I don't know why you're bringing up the Dodgers. It's kind of a mystery to me because clearly what they're doing is not working. <laughs> yeah, it's just leading the league in wins over the last 5, 10, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it kind of crazy? Like yesterday I did my third inning hit with Vince and Ken on the, uh, on A's cast and the uh, A's radio network that I do every day during the game. And I'm like, okay, these guys literally are just squashing their competition. Like you had the giants last year, win 107 and they were talking a big game in the off season. Padres get Bob Melvin. They were talking a big game and they've literally just, excuse my language, kicked everybody's ass in their division. They've made them all look so small. I mean, I have the notes. They literally have outscored the Padres like 109 to like 49. I mean, it's, it's like they've demolished them. And to think, you know, when you start talking to win over 110 games, that means not only are you beating the bottom feeders, you're beating the over 500 teams too. Oh yeah, I mean, they they put another way, they have a run differential of 325, so they've outscored their opponents by 325 wins, yeah. 325 runs. So guess what? The second place team has done the second best team in that. It's the Yankees. They've outscored their their opponents by 235 runs. So the Dodgers are almost 100 runs better than the Yankees, and that's what, that's what, what that's was the final in that use. game last night? Was it five two? It was 5-2, and you know... Okay, here it is. I got for you. So here you most go. Most updated. Yeah, I got you the update. Let me get you the update stats here. The Dodgers whooping the Padres' ass. They get Bob Melvin, right? You got Fernando Tatis Jr., which, you know, you thought at the beginning of the year he was going to play, right? Big you had trade Mac for Soto. Yeah, you had Unip trade. They have outscored the Padres. Here's the... Here's the, uh, here's the it's it's 105-47. to 47. And it and like you know this last week it's been a moral victory to play them tight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's that's how that's how hard it is to be in the division with the Dodgers and they, you know I I, I think it uh, there's very little you could do sometimes when you when you run up against a team that plays smart and also spends a lot of money um, you know and does seems to do everything right. The one thing that the Dodgers do that maybe makes them um, gettable in some certain senses is this they silo their guys we talked this a little bit about this a little bit they they have guys who are just working on one thing and they're not allowed to see the rest you know because they might go work for the yankees next year and they don't want them you know taking dodger secrets away so you know that's a way to work if you have lots of dollars out there and you're spending it on eight phds you have eight phds in eight different rooms working on eight different things right 
But if you're yeah. the A's, I think what you need to do is foster a sense of, hey, we're all in this together. There is no siloing. Everybody sees everything and we communicate well and we're all in the same. We're pulling on the same rope. Uh, and that's the only chance I think that young uh, that that smaller market teams have is to uh, is to communicate really well uh, and be all on the same page. You know, yesterday I was talking to the athletic writer, of course, Eno Saris with The Athletic. Everybody should subscribe. It's wonderful journalism. Uh, we were talking about Shohei Otani. I said, hey, listen, anytime you say anything bad about Shohei Otani, you look like an absolute jerk. I get it. But, you know, just kind of looking at it, like there is this greatness that we have never seen, and it's unbelievable. But I'm wondering, does it come at a price? Because I'm trying to figure out when you say Shohei Otani and he's in a bad situation in Anaheim, because normally we look at players and they say, well, they need to be in a bigger market with a team that spends money. Well, he is in a big market and they spend money. He, Trout, these guys are supposed to be the guys that help lead you to victory. But I think what we don't look at, tell me if I'm wrong, and if I'm just, as they used to say, picking boogers here. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at Shoei and I go, he is an individual player is great. But people looking at it from a standpoint saying, hey, he he's one guy to in, doing two different positions. And I go, well, I don't know. If you got to have a six-man rotation to make it work for his skills, I've got to have five other starting pitchers. I can't even find two or three. <laughs> and now with him, I've got to have six. We are now using the DH as a position where we just don't want that old guy who hits home runs. We want flexibility with the DH. With him, I don't have that flexibility. I love him offensively, but I've got to always have him at DH. He does nothing for me defensively. That's that's really hundreds of innings where he just doesn't play. So I'm trying to think the model of yes, his individual his is like for that he'd work perfectly on the Dodgers. Okay. Dodgers, Yankees. There's not many teams. They like got that, extra. They have extra pitchers. They have extra players. There you, you know. go. They have There's the, got to be that, a lot that. of greatness around him. So I, I'm I'm not trying to poke at him, saying he's not great. I'm just wondering, as an individual, he's great. But if I got to win 162 games and he's my main piece, you start to look at the game plan there and go, eh, I'm not so sure. Am I completely wrong, or do you see what I'm getting at? No, totally. I mean, the thing that that that, that happens, you say have this war construct, wins above replacement. And usually it does what you're trying to do is take it away from who specifically replaces the player, right? It's a construct, it's a model, right? So, you know, Matt Olson has this uh, you know, wins above replacement. We're not talking about what happens when he sits down and you know who else who else is actually playing behind him. We're, we're only just talking about this value in this system. However, with Shohei, you actually have to talk about who's actually replacing him because he himself creates the need for replacements. So he doesn't even DH every day of the week. He has to take a day off because the day after he pitches, you know, he needs to, he needs to rest. So you're creating this situation where like, he gives you no defensive value. You need to have someone who can step into DH when he's not there. And then you also need to have an extra starting pitcher. So it is actually, people always say, oh, there's got to be some value to, to having that extra roster spot. He's two players in one roster spot. Yeah, that's true. I can't say that's not true, but he 
also breaks war in that he ha- you can't just be like, oh, you could do anything out of the roster spot. No, you know what you need to do with that extra roster spot? Put another starting pitcher in it. That's what you, that's what you got to do. So he puts constraints on what happens, you know, on the roster around him. So just saying like add war and then add some extra value for that extra roster spot, then you have to subtract some sort of uh, value of um, what's it called? Like just a flexibility, you know, like your roster is less flexible with him on it. You know, it's not the same as Chris Taylor. There was some research saying Chris Taylor is really valuable for his team because he can play everywhere. He's a, a batter who can play lots of different positions. He doesn't he doesn't create any problems. He doesn't, you know, because you have Chris Taylor doesn't mean you have have to have extra other players. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, because you have Chris Taylor doesn't mean you have to have another batter. It's just it's just great to have Chris Taylor. He can play center, he can play short, he can play second. He 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 is a one-man show. It's a little bit different with Shohei Otani, even though he is he is a one-man show. And we don't need to take anything away from him. I mean, I, 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 for those who think that he is the MVP, I totally get. He does two things remarkably well. He's probably a top 10 pitcher and what, like a top 20, top 30 hitter. That's amazing to be both of those things. Yeah, so that's why we kind of look like jerks if we're bringing up that. But it's like, <laughs> oh, we are about winning and we are about roster building. Uh, I want to You'd be terrible you, on the A's. It would be a bad deal on the A's. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, he's better. He's better, like you said, on the Yankees and the Dodgers because they do have the extra pitchers, you know, and they do have the extra fielders. You know, if the A's were like they want to play him every day, I think it would it would it would be like, okay, I think the A's would have to play him every day. You know, my my last year playing at San Jose State was 1995. I think I'd be better on the Dodgers. <laughs> Just saying, they they need some help. Uh, I I noticed in my notes yesterday something, and I want to ask you uh, as we get out of here. Um, I noticed there's so many teams that are like literally dying going to the. I mean, dying. They're falling flat on their face. Uh, you can just go through it. This team's lost. You know. 12 out of 15. I mean, it's down the line. You want to, where do you want to go? You want to go Mariners, Orioles, Phillies. Phillies are falling on their face. We just saw it now that the Twins and the White Sox, White Sox has just lost eight in a row. Uh, Padres. I mean, we're forget about the bad teams. We're talking about teams in contention that are just literally, their bullpens are a dumpster fire. Their players are out of gas. Is this something that you have seen? a lot recently or is this just a year we're going to look back and go wow maybe it's the september call-ups that are not allowed the reinforcements are not allowed but there there's something to me going on that there are so many teams here they see the finish line they can see the tape all the people there there's there's guys with gatorade cups waiting for them they're tripping (laughs) they're waiting to get and then they're just all just collapsing before the finish line what's going on well, I haven't looked at it to see if it is actually worse this year than ever before, but uh, it is an intriguing idea. And there is something different about now than than ever before. Uh, there's a few things. One, um, we haven't had like a two or three year run of just like regular seasons. You know, I mean, like we have this, yeah. we still have that missing, you know, 2020 where they're just like nobody threw 200 innings, like nobody even threw like 100 innings. You know, so like if you're a pitcher, you just don't have that like, oh, I've been, I've been, 
I've been good for three to five years. No, you have that one year where you're just, you pitch the one third of the year. Um, and then we've had, yeah, the rule changes all happening around it. The ball changing is all happening around it. Um, and then the last thing that's uh, coming to a head is, you know, we used to have starting pitchers used to go around six and relievers went three and uh, and starting pitchers had a, a earned run average in our that was about a, a run higher than relievers. And the nerds looked at that and said, well, that doesn't make any sense. We need to throw more relievers because they're better. Uh, and so over time, we've come to this point now where starting pitchers throw four and a half innings on average and relievers throw four and a half innings on average. But if you look at the numbers, what we haven't figured out is how to keep those relievers healthy. And we haven't been doing this for a very long time. You know what I mean? We haven't been pushing bullpens this hard for a very long time. What we might be in the middle of figuring out is if you throw relievers for four and a half innings at a time, and also the new rule where you can't just option them down and get a fresh arm, you know, uh, like they used to just keep optioning, just have like, you know, three extra relievers that you keep bringing up and optioning down. The combination of all those trends could be related, just a lot of fatigue in those bullpens. And I think that's a big part of what you see when you see a team collapsing in September is just the bullpen, not being able to, to hold any leads. Well, I got to tell you, I love doing this every week because you make this show flat out smarter. And uh, next week when we talk, it's postseason. We're talking postseason. Are you excited about that? I mean, it's a tournament. It's truly a tournament now. I like I like that it's not one game anymore. I know that was kind of fun, you know, everything's on the line, blah blah blah. But like one game, like I remember, you know, the 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 A's tried so like played so hard and got into the postseason. It was just like one game against the Yankees, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah. throwing Liam Hendricks in the first, and here we go. <laughs> How'd that work out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I, I like that they had three games at least, um, and uh, I, I I'm also interested to see how those buy teams. Uh, do because there are there are baseball things that can go away in three days your maximum speed your uh, your maximum bat speed uh, they can go away in three to five days so if you're sitting for five days uh, I hope you're throwing that machine on really high velo and 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 staying warm because uh, it would it would suck to take five days off and then have that post all-star break oh oh right yeah that's what 98 looks like uh, and- so it, interesting for to watch the buy team see how they do and then also next week, not only will we talk about the playoffs, but now you feel it. It's fall. It's football weather. Your beer drinking taste starts to change, right? Soon before you know it, it's Halloween. Then it's Thanksgiving, getting into Christmas. So I have, a, I have a couple of stouts to recommend next week for sure. I love it. You have a wonderful weekend with the family, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, the great Eno Saris, and that is a reality as we're here at the Athletic Club in Oakland. As the weather changes, so does your drinking taste. I know there's certain people that get more into wine, maybe a little more hard alcohol, but your definitely beers tend to change. So we'll keep you updated on that right here on A's Cast Live with Eno Saris. And, of course, Fieldwork Brewing brings you... Eno Saris. Do we have the uh, we have our little jingle? Go ahead. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com.
All righty, we are actually crunched for time right now before we're going to get to A's Total Access and send it up to the Pacific Northwest. Every Friday, the manager of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotze, joins us. Uh, earlier today, when nobody was here before this place got packed, make sure you come see us. We got bingo going on. We got all kinds of gifts that are going on. Come out to the uh, athletic club here in Oakland. But earlier today, it's Friday, we caught up with our guy, Mark Kotze. It's time now for the Mark Kotze Show right here on A's Cast Live, brought to you by Nest Betting. Check out their location, Albany and Berkeley. Or you go online, nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep for your mattress, your pillows, your sheets, you name it. Use the coupon code OAKLAND to get 10% off your entire order, nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze, there you are in the Pacific Northwest. How are you? I'm great, Tony. Sitting here in the office, uh, just getting ready to prepare for tonight's game. Well, you know, it's there is an art to traveling in professional sports, especially in baseball. I've been able to do it in baseball and in football. And just, I don't think a lot of people realize, you had a night game last night. They don't play getaway days in Anaheim. They don't do it during the daytime. They make you leave at night, and next thing you know, you're getting up to Seattle late. What is that like, and what is the key for the players who get in late, you don't get a lot of sleep, but then you got to be raring to go tonight? Yeah, you know, uh, leaving Anaheim last night, uh, you know, we took off from LAX uh, because the Orange County Airport, Long Beach airports that are closer uh, were shut down for curfew. So wheels up about 1230, uh, wheels down here in Seattle at uh, 230. And then, of course, you know, five freeway uh, shut down off ramps, uh, detours <laughs> and arrival at like 315 to the hotel. So yeah. Um, you know, from that standpoint, uh, understanding that it's, it was a long travel night, a long day in itself, uh, you know, we give them a little bit more recovery time, a little bit more time to sleep uh, today. So we'll, we won't do batting practice. Uh, guys will come in later and prepare in the cage um, to hope, hopefully, you know, just allow them to, to get a, that extra, uh, you know, hour of, of rest or so. You know, it's just in my nature, I would love to play spoiler. I would love to look over at the other side and go, yeah, I'm going to do you wrong today. I dig that kind of stuff. Do you guys have that mentality right now when you're taking on the Mariners? Because, you know, they're trying to make it to the playoffs for the first time since the year I got married, which was a long time ago since they've been in the postseason. Wouldn't it be nice to walk out of there and they haven't clinched anything? Yeah, it really would be. I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of pride that goes into that, right, that uh, you, you want to keep uh, a team in your division from, from celebrating uh, what we all hope for uh, going forward in our future is to, to get a playoff opportunity. And so, you know, this team, um, you know, Seattle, we've seen uh, because they're in our division over the last two years, uh, the success they've had against us, uh, the growth that they've had from some of their younger, talented players, uh, and, you know, ultimately tonight uh, we're going to go out there and, and, you know, prepare to win a game, prepare to keep them from, like you said, uh, popping champagne for the first time in, uh, in several years for this organization. I look at some of the guys you got going right now that I- I'm, I'm excited about. We talked about Jordan Diaz, guys hitting in double A. Guy's hitting in AAA. I don't care how old he is. Don't tell me his birthday. Tell me what he's hitting. And all he's done is come up and hit for you. What have you seen and what do you expect? Yeah, he has hit, that's for sure. And, um, you know, 
the expectation level, um, really, I'm not putting anything on this young player um, tonight. Uh, you know, Sean Murphy will be off with, with the late night, the arrival. Uh, he's out of the lineup. And Jordan Diaz is the option to, to stick in the three-hole. Um, you know, a young player, like you said, don't look at the age. But, um, you know, look at his abilities. And really, the bat is, is kind of carried him here. Um, but we're actually excited, Tony, about uh, the, some of the defensive things that we've seen and the growth just in the short time that we've had him up here. Eric Martins, uh, our infield coach, has done an amazing job this year with, with some of these younger players. Um, you know, it may not be reflective in the uh, run saved category, um, you know, but in terms of just the, the efficiency and uh, of, of their work and the growth that we've seen in incremental progress of the development side um, from, from a Nick Allen, even, you know, uh, from, uh, uh, Vanille Machine. So, and now Jordan Diaz. Um, this is going to be a huge comp, and it may be a comp that uh, you know doesn't doesn't you know Jordan doesn't get to. But um, you know, this kid's got some likings of a, of a of a Jose Altuve. Now that's a the highest of high ceilings, right? But there's some more athleticism in there that we can pull out of this kid. He's got a little bit of a baby type body um, that we think we can transform. And uh, and lean him out, and and he's strong. This kid's strong. He, he hits the ball with authority. His BPs are impressive. Uh, you know, next to the likes of of watching, um, you know, Garcia take BP. So uh, it's 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 exciting to have a kid like that right now, and and, and getting a chance to watch him play. Yeah, that's uh, that's some high praise there, but you love it because that's what this team needs is offense. And another guy I want to address with you. And I just, watching him play, his body reminds me of a guy that you remember, Brian Giles, and that's Connor Capel. He reminds me kind of that build. And I think about his swing, kind of a flatter swing, stays through the zone. We've seen him be able to pull it. We've been able to see him flip it uh, to the left side. Doesn't strike out a lot. And I'm just, I've been kind of doing a deep dive on your offense and what you're going to look like for the next couple of years because in 2018, 2019, the Athletics were one of the top teams hitting home runs. Obviously, the home run numbers were a lot different. You know, we weren't putting balls in humidors. The ball was jumping. Home run net difference, I mean, this year with all teams, way down. So more contact, less strikeouts. Is Connor Capel kind of, I mean, it's an early to see, but kind of the guy you're looking forward to the next couple of years of how you're going to generate your offense, a player like this? Yeah, again, so kind of two-part question, right? Connor Capel in itself, um, you know, we were fortunate to grab him off waivers from the Cardinals. Uh, 25-year-old left-handed hitter that, as you talk about Giles' comparison, I talk about even myself. Um, Whoa! You know, similarities in terms of just his bat-to-ball skill, like you talk about. Yeah. He's not a high strikeout guy. Uh, I think St. Louis, uh, they've, they have kind of have that in their development system. Um, they emphasize, you know, putting the baseball in play as opposed to swinging and, uh, and, and slugging. Um, they have a balance to that, though, obviously. But for Connor, um, yeah, I mean, last night, you know, that at-bat he took in the eighth inning is a direct reflection of, of his abilities to put the ball in play uh, against Otani at a point where we were really not having much success, and he grinds out an at-bat, hits the ball the other way, and uh, and then Dermis gets a hit, and we've got something going. So, um, yeah, I think the transition in the game right now with, like you talked about, the style of offenses, there's a contrast right now. Cleveland Indians, look at their slug. 
Uh, they got, you know, two really good hitters in that lineup um, in, in Jose Ramirez and uh, the Jimenez kid. Um, but yeah, I mean, they put the ball in play and they hit and run and they bunt. So, and they're in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, that's something to be said uh, in terms of, you know, this game and, and where it may be headed. You know, you look at a lot of pitching around the game, and because we haven't had September call-ups, you see a lot of staffs and you see a lot of teams that, unfortunately, and we're going to do a deep dive in the offseason about this because there's a lot of teams falling flat on their face as they're heading to the deadline right now. It's been a rough September for quite a few teams. I think your guys a little bit pitching are on gas. How do, what are you guys trying to do, you and Emo, trying to do to get these guys across the line? Guys who are pitching more than they've ever pitched before in their careers. Yeah, you know, and the demand, the rigor of, of pitching at the major league level is, is is night and day from what it is pitching, you know, in the minor leagues. And even as much as you can prepare these guys from an inning standpoint, the stress level is is so much higher uh, at the major league level day in and day out. And, and you're right. We are seeing some fatigue. We're seeing some of these younger guys um, really laboring through some of their performances. Um, and they know it and they're digging, they're digging deep right now to, to finish this thing, which I, which I love and appreciate. And, and they'll learn from this, you know, they'll learn that the, the work they need to put in, uh, has to change or it has to intensify, uh, this off season so that they can better prepare themselves for, for the rigors of, of a major league season. And we're doing, you know, things to help them right now and talking to them. We're, we're having exit year or exit meetings with all the players, uh, you know, and, and addressing some of these offseason uh, things that, that we feel will benefit them um, prior to them coming into spring training and their opportunity uh, to you know, make a staff here and, uh, and pitch in the big leagues again. You know, I think about your experience, your bench coach experience, Brad Osmus, the two of you, the amount of years that you had in Major League Baseball is amazing. And this last week or so, you got to face the best the Mariners have, you got to face the best that the Mets have. You got Shohei last night. He's on a roll. Now it's back to facing these guys with, with the Mariners. You know, how big is this from a learning curve standpoint for your younger players to play against the best in the game? No, it, it, you know, it's great in one aspect that they're being challenged, for sure. They're going up against the best. Um, the backside of that is, you know, if there's lack of success, you worry about what it does for their confidence. You know, you worry about how it impacts uh, their mindsets. But there's no question you you, you want to go against the best. You want to beat the best, which we've had some success in that. Um, you know, beating DeGrom last Saturday was a highlight for this club. Um, you know, and, and yet we're still here with an opportunity to, as you talk about, be a spoiler uh, against this Seattle ball club to hold their celebrations off uh, this weekend. And, and we're going to have to do it against three really quality starters, uh, you know, and Robbie Ray and Castillo and, and uh, tonight starter Kirby. So uh, we got our work cut out for us. And, uh, you know, and again, we probably will get, you know, Shohei on the last day of the season. Yeah. Well, uh, let's end on this as we're at the Athletic Club here in downtown Oakland. And when we air this, right now they're not open yet, but when we air this, a lot of A's fans are going to be here. It's a watch party to watch this a Friday night to celebrate uh, the season and to celebrate the fans and our great fans for turning out this year. Just if you could give them a message, A's fans, to tell them how much you guys have grinded and you've done everything you can to put your best foot forward in this season for these fans. 
Yeah, no, first and foremost, I can't thank the fans that have come that uh, are the diehards, the, the, the fans that have shown us the support throughout this season. These 81 home games that they show up for uh, mean something to this club. And all these guys, whether it was, you know, the, the older guys or the younger guys, um, you know, really appreciate uh, what it means to have the A on their chest as much as the fans do. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to to grind these last six days to try to finish this season on a successful note, even though as a whole, in terms of win losses, uh, it, it's, it's obviously, uh, uh, there's a bad taste in all of our mouths uh, from that standpoint, but uh, we will continue to get better. We will continue to prepare and go into this offset off season with this mindset that uh, we we're going to identify our areas of weakness and we're going to get better. Well, I wish I could buy you a drink. If you were here, I'd pick up your tab. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. And it's been great this year. I really appreciate this uh, opportunity to just get my message out, get our message out, talk about our ball club in this environment, uh, share the things, the, 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 you know, the intricacies that go on on a daily basis with our fan base. Uh, it's been great. So I really I want to thank you for this time. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll see you. It's not completely over yet. Three more at home, and uh, it's going to be special. So good luck these three games in Seattle, and we'll see you next week. All right, Tony. Take care, bud. Thanks. Yeah, I got to tell you, Mark Cotte has been fabulous all season long. You know, not easy. Your first experience, right, you want nothing but success. But obviously – you take over a team, there's a lot of change. He knew that change was coming, and he knew the challenge would be there. And that these interviews, you know, we're not going to hammer them. I mean, there's no point to. But it's not easy. You know, you're the questions about growth and what you're going to do and how you're going to win a game. And how you know, I mean, at some point, you don't want to deal with that. But that's, you know, something you got to deal with as a manager. You got to deal with the weekly show. You got to deal with the media every single day. You got to deal with them before the game. You got to deal with them after the game. And it's a learning experience. And I got to tell you, Mark Kotze really has, uh, he, he, uh, he's, been, he's been fantastic to us this year. So, uh, and it's not going away. You know, remember, in the offseason, we don't go away. Last offseason was different because of the lockout. But normally, we are on Monday, Wednesday, Friday during the offseason. We're on live from 1 to 4. Then we replay the show from 4 to 7. And then A's cast, the big animal that's A's cast, that runs 365, 24-7. That never goes away. So we'll keep you covered with baseball throughout the entire. We always have new tricks that we uh, throw out there uh, during the offseason. So remember, we don't go away. But we're not going away here. The Athletic Club Oakland, as you can hear in the background, we've got bingo going. And we've got prizes. We have drink specials. We have food specials. That's all going on right now as we speak. And then you can watch the last away games of the season. Just three left, hard to believe. That's right, three in the Pacific Northwest. Then we come back home Monday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with the last game being at 1 o'clock when everybody is going to play at the exact same time. A big game, as we were joking about earlier, a big game for the Seattle Mariners as the minute they clinch, that drought, the biggest drought in American professional team sports for the big four. 
I don't know about lower level, whatever. Uh, we're talking about the big four, the four that matter. Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, and hockey. The biggest playoff drought is the Seattle Mariners. Hard to believe. Beautiful ballpark, beautiful area. Got money. Just things have not been the cards, and they've had great players. They've had Hall of Famers during this time and just have not been able to get it to the postseason. Last time they were in a postseason, we were joking with it earlier. The last time they were in the postseason, if you were born in earlier 2001, you could be here today legal to uh, buy a drink. Yeah, you could actually buy a drink. If you were born early in the year of 2001, you'd be eligible to be 21 and buy a drink here today. That's how long ago it was. It was the year I got married. Look at that, Jessica Kleinschmidt right there. There she is. Are you getting ready? She she will be on A's Total Access, by the way. Uh, we got to talk about the Carlos Correa, talking about, hey, if you want me, you got to buy me. I don't know if it's the – if you haven't heard it, he talks about if you're at the mall and you go in the Dior store, I buy what I want. Hey, if they want it, come and get it. Even though he's under contract, he's going to opt out. And it's going to be a very interesting offseason for shortstops. It's going to be a position where there's a lot of guys out there and going to be available. By the way, the big game that everybody's watching, it is the Braves up against the Mets, just to give you an update of what's going on in that game. Uh, bottom of the fourth inning right now. Ray, your Mets are down 2-1. to one. Uh, DeGrom, three innings, two earned runs so far. Are you panicking? Because he gives up anything, you got to take him out. Yeah, I'm panicking a little bit. I saw it was back-to-back home runs, Austin Riley and our old friend Matt Olson. So, yeah, things not looking too good for the DeGrominator. Uh, are, are you worried? Okay, the scenarios, love scenarios. Love it. Let me get to these real quick. I, I don't think that second game is going off in Philly. No. Yeah, where, where, where did my Mets stuff go? Got a whole thing on the Mets. All right. Mets can, cl- Mets, Mets can clinch the NL East by sweeping the Braves. Yep. Mets can leave Atlanta with a magic number of one by taking two out of three. Mm-hmm. Mets can leave Atlanta tied in the standings, but they hold the tiebreaker. And then the only scenario with the Mets lose control of their destiny this weekend is by getting swept. Big series, because you want to be the team that gets the bye, has a few days rest. DeGrom going tonight is kind of a gamble, I would say, because this sets DeGrom up for pitching the last day of the season if you need him. Let's say you pitch him last day of the season, and you don't win the division. You now have a shot to where DeGrom would not pitch in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's a potential. And, of course, we talked about it earlier. Those pesky Nationals are waiting for the Mets after this series with the Braves, and they love playing spoiler for the Braves to go to Miami. Can you, can you just imagine DeGrom and the Mets, and I hate to do this to you as a Mets fan, DeGrom and the Mets failing and getting to a point that DeGrom in the postseason doesn't even pitch. You lose out to the Padres, obviously. It would be terrible, and I hope it doesn't happen. But, but that's devastating. All this time you've saved him. All this time, all this time you've absolutely babied this guy. 
to then have him not be a huge part in that, it would be that would be wild. Yeah, absolutely. But they have a strong enough rotation that they should be able to compete competitive in the postseason, regardless. We got Stomper right here. Stomper is playing bingo. That's everything that's going on here at the Athletic Club in Oakland. Come, come by and see us. Drink specials, good. Thumbs up on the drink specials. Thumbs up on the food specials. We got it all going here. You got it. Stomper, you're going to be here for the whole game? Or Stomper's going to be here for the whole game. You can't beat that. So make sure you come down and see us. Now, if you missed any of the interviews today, make sure you go to athletics.com slash A'scast. That's athletics.com slash A'scast. Of course, uh, you'll be able to watch this as we'll be able to put this on YouTube today. Already on YouTube as we speak. We'll get archived right afterwards. Okay. Do I need to get out of here? Yeah, you get. Yeah, got to get out of here. All right, we'd like to thank Stomper. We'd like to thank Amelia Schimmel. We'd like to thank Jessica Kleinschmidt. We would like to thank David, uh, David, Mark Kotze. David Forrest is next week. And we'd like to thank Ian Osiris, brought to you by Fieldwork Brewing. Great show here today, our last fans uh, watch party. Thank you, everybody, for everything you've done for us in 2022. Coming up next here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network, it will be A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. Enjoy the A's and the Mariners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.